Thanks for joining me on iHeartRadio and the Tech of Sports this week. And usually around U.S. Open tennis time, there's uh, there's usually some books that come out tennis-related. And um, maybe the best one in, in years um, with Christopher Clary and uh, Roger Federer, the master. And Chris, thanks for uh, a few minutes of your time and uh, a great effort. And uh, I bet you had a smile on your face the whole time doing this book. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Now, the thing that was the most fun about this book, to be honest with you, was kind of going back and um, watching all the old matches. Because I, you know, you're so much in the moment covering the sport week to week and day to day, you get caught up in kind of recency bias. So it was really a treat to go back and watch Federer against Leighton Hewitt, Federer against Murat Sapp, and early Federer Rafa, early Federer Novak. That was really one of the most entertaining things for me about writing the book. And also, I had done all these interviews over the years, but to go back and at this stage and re-interview a lot of people again, I did over 80 interviews for the book alone, and that was fascinating to hear people's perspective now that he's reaching you know, near the end of his career, if not the end. Yeah, a lot of Federer news in the last couple of weeks, and he hasn't even hit a ball in a while. So, uh, well, before we talk about the book, where do you think we stand with with Roger? And uh, I mean, uh, he can he can do things on his own terms, of course. So, uh, but uh, a bunch of young guys uh, flying up the radar in tennis that uh, coming back would be tough for him, but no one's going to ever tell him no. Yeah, he's proven people wrong for a long time. I mean, the retirement questions have been there. Honestly, I'm not kidding. Since 2009, when he won the French Open, um, and he completed his set of Grand Slam tournaments and titles that he needed the career slam, people have been asking about him. You know, how much longer are you going to play? Are you going to retire? So for it's been 12 years now. I think he really wants that on his own terms, and he really enjoys the sport. But I do think Rick, the odds are heavily against him coming back to the tour again. It's just another knee surgery, another long layoff. This could be a, a complicated knee thing. Sounds like, even though he hasn't been clear about it. And you're right, there are a lot of young players coming up. you got Alexander Zverev, who just won the Olympic gold medal. you got Daniel Medvedev. you got Stefano Tsitsipas. you got some American guys coming up, like Sebastian Korda. A lot of players. And then you've got you know, Novak Djokovic still in the mix. So it's, um, you know, it's a lot to ask Roger to come back and be really competitive, and I think he's only going to be happy if he's really competitive. Yeah, the master, the brilliant career of Roger Federer, available everywhere. And uh, you, you mentioned, Chris, you went back and looked at the old matches, but the book is... Uh, is as much off the court, Federer, as it is on the court. Uh, and I think a lot of people uh, will love that. Yeah, you know, I've had this, you know, working for the New York Times and before that the International Herald Tribune for so many years, I really got a chance to spend a lot of time with Roger over a 20-year period. You know, it's more than 20 interviews over that time and had a chance to interview almost everybody who's, you know, been part of his career in some way or another. And um, I've covered a lot of the guys that he's played against, the big rivalries, Spent a lot of time with Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal over the years. So that really gave me the sense that if I didn't do this, I'd really regret it. And um, one of the things about it was getting the chance to spend time with him in a lot of different places in the world, from Argentina to his home homeland of Switzerland to uh, New York to Melbourne, Australia, all these places. And I just felt like it was a great chance to give people a peek into what I'd experienced. And, you know, for me, too, I think to try to put this era into perspective, it's been an incredible era in men's tennis, one of the best eras in any sport. And I felt like it was a good time to do it with Roger kind of coming near the end and and these rivalries coming to an end as well. Yeah, us uh, that cover men's tennis and fan, fans of men's tennis, we're spoiled. And we, we've been spoiled for the last almost 20 years. And uh, um, what do you think uh, is, is in store for the sport, Chris? A big drop-off or kind of a different type of interest uh, as we'll have, uh, you know, a lot of different players that can possibly win big titles? 
Well, I think in the short term, I think it really depends on what Novak and Rafa do. Yeah. I mean, because as long as you have these established superstars in any sport, and then you have the young guys trying to butt heads against them, trying to make their mark, that's great theater. And that's still where we're at. So I think, in a sense, as long as you know, Novak and Rafa can play a, couple, a few more seasons or a couple more seasons, that gives these young guys a chance to really establish themselves by beating them or facing off against them. However, longer term, you know, it's going to take time because, let's face it, I mean, Roger, Rafa, Novak, and you could add an Andy Murray into that mix, guys like Stan Vavrinka. It took them decades to build this up to where it is, this interest level that it's at now. You can't rush that. You can create buzz. You can't create these deep, deep connections that fans have created with these players over this long period of time. It's but like, you know, Tom Brady fans or Peyton Manning fans and football, whatever it is. You know, you just need time. So it'll be it'll be a dip, no doubt, at some point. Um, but there's a lot of talent coming up. And the exciting thing is there's a guy like, you know, Seth Corda. I'm not going to predict amazing things for Seth Corda, but he's a talented player. It's good to see some American men at that age, you know, that stage being able to look like the guys that could be, you know, legit top 10 players. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, good for tennis. Uh, of course, get uh, get your copy of The Master, The Brilliant Career of Roger Federer, uh, Chris Clary. Um, a great job. And kind of the theme, Chris, throughout the book, uh, maybe Federer still, he's a superstar, but kind of a regular guy. And has there ever been, you think, a regular guy in sports that's had as much success or uh, is, is, is well-liked by everybody as Roger? Well, you think about a guy like Pete Manning, for example. You know, obviously he's had his detractors over the years, but he's a guy I think he was he kind of gave that every man impression. Through I never I never got the chance to interview Peyton, but from the outside, that's what I would, looks like to me. Somebody like that, perhaps. Well, you're talking about a guy who's in a global sport, and that's the thing that makes it complicated because we in the states look at these guys that come into the North American hard courts, you know, in March for Indian Wells in Miami, and then come to the U.S. Open, of course, in the pre-U.S. Open events. But these guys are doing this almost year-round, all over the world, different languages and different cultures. And that, to be able to maintain that sort of sense of relatability and that sense of accessibility, even though he's not given that many one-on-one interviews, but the sense of sort of being able to relate to people across all these borders is really remarkable. I can't think of anybody who's done it as well as Roger. And also, he's really done it pretty, scan- pretty much scandal-free and, and in multiple languages, like I said. And I think um, it's a remarkable run. Uh, you know, the, the subtitle for the U.S. edition is The Long Run and Beautiful Game of Roger Federer. And I think, you know, that's really, uh, it really sums it up. I mean, longevity with elegance and, and class. And sure, there have been some hiccups along the way, Rick. You know, it's going to happen. But not many. And um, I've interviewed him from the time he was a young guy, you know, in his late teens to, uh, to almost his 40th birthday. And he's a guy who's maintained that humanity throughout and that empathy. Yeah, and a great family man now. And, you know, te- people don't think of tennis as a team sport. He's been the leader of Team Federer there for uh, for a long time. And he always gives credit to his team and, and, and credit to everybody but himself. So uh, um, very humble as well. Well, I think you're right. I think the sport has become more and more about that team aspect because it's become so much more demanding. I think physically, day-to-day, week-to-week, they have a lot of resources, obviously, with their money that they make and their ability to use – you know, technology in terms of finding ways to help them recover or whatever it might be, and a lot more data about matches that's out there. But Roger really has established these great connections with, with key people in his career, including his fitness trainer, a guy named Pierre Paganini, who's Swiss, who is really a deep thinker as well as a guy who can make you sweat. And then you have he's had some you know, great coaches through the years. His boyhood coach, Peter Carter, who sadly died in 2002 in an accident in South Africa, was a pivotal figure for him, helped shape his game in many ways. And 
I think he's been an inspiration to Roger since his death as well. And then you have his wife, you know, Mirka, who's been pivotal. She's a former player herself. People forget that. She was a Probably would have been a top 20 player, uh, almost for sure, if she would have been able to stay healthy, but she, her career ended very early. And she was somebody who really understood what Roger needed to succeed at the highest level, and I think also inspired and encouraged him to chase the best in himself. And I think those three people have been pivotal for him, and I, I know he'd agree with that. Yeah, he's been, he was able to benefit from that for years. And wrapping up with, with Chris Clary and The Master, the new Roger Federer book, uh, more than 400 pages. If you're, even if you're not a, a tennis fan or not a Federer uh, aficionado, just a great read. And, uh, Chris, a lot of tennis players, maybe when they get done with their career, they maybe fade away a little bit. Um, what do you think for Roger post-tennis? Uh, he's got the opportunity to do a lot of different things. Uh, what do you see maybe uh, that he's going to jump into or dabble with? Well, that's a really good question, Rick. I think, interestingly, I'm not sure he's, he's going to need much of a break when he does retire because I've, he's had some long breaks here near the end of his career. I mean, he had a six-month break back in 16 before he came back with that great 2017-2018 seasons when he won three slams again. He's had the long pandemic break, a couple more knee surgeries, and now he's going to have another one. So I think he will have rested up and had his time out of the spotlight. I think he wants to use his platform and use his uh, his foundation in particular. It does a lot of work with early education in South Africa and in Switzerland. I think he wants and Southern Africa as well. I think he wants to use that and expand that. And he's been spending a lot of time with people like Bill Gates in recent years, yep. and exhibitions and things like that. And I know he wants to uh, use the knowledge he's acquired. He's the kind of guy who finds what his objectives are, and then he kind of gets a chance to talk to people that are doing those things, and he really uses them as mentors in a way. Um, did some of that with um, the coaches he's had, like Stefan Edberg and his connections with Pete Sampras over the years in, in the game of tennis, and so I think he's somebody who uh, will do the same in his next chapter off court, and it's, in some ways it's already begun. I mean, he and his agent, Tony Gusick, and their agency have started the Labor Cup, which is a yep. team event, and also the, and the foundation, so I think I think he'll be visible, and I think he'll stay involved in the game in some way, too. Yeah, right. last thing, uh, not to put you on the spot, we've had these three great champions uh, um, now for 20 years, and they're all going to have a similar amount of titles. Um, it's impossible almost to kind of rank the three, but uh, how, how do you see it? Uh, Novak, Roger, Rafa, three different type of players. Uh, is, is it possible to separate the three? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I feel like we really ought to wait till all the homework's been turned in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I feel like at this point we've come this far without really a conclusive situation. I do think that, you know, obviously at different times you could argue, maybe not maybe not Rafa, but I think you could argue at some stage, obviously Roger was ahead of these guys and was, you know, legitimately had his, had his edge and was the best player of this era, clearly. And I think, you know, Rafa never has really quite gotten to that place where it's been clear he's been in front. Obviously, always been in front of Clay since he first won the French. But Novak, I think right now, looking at the situation, even though he's they're all at 20, just based on Novak holding number one ranking for the longest, Novak's success in the next year tournaments, the Masters 1000s, they call them in tennis, which are one notch below the Grand Slams. He's won all of those. You know, there, there are nine of them. He's won all of them twice. So I think it's he's got some edges in terms of the stats, and also he leads head-to-head -head against both Nadal, even though it's close, and against Roger. So right now, at this moment, I would say Novak deserves the edge. But we'll see how things play out. Obviously, Roger's not going to gain much more ground. But I, you know, also what he's done off the court and his ability to project the game, the beauty of his game, the fans he's brought in, that should factor in as well in an overall global discussion. 
Yeah, to be determined. And uh, Chris, great work, great effort. Um, love the book and uh, safe travels and uh, have a great uh, lead up and great U.S. Open. Really appreciate it. Hey, Rick, thanks for your time. And I really appreciate the good words. It was definitely a challenge. I'm glad to have, uh, have gotten it out there. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Thank you.